morning. Hey, listen, hit your neighbor and say, I love you. Let me hear you say, I love you. Like Kanye loves Kanye. All right, all right. Hey, listen, I want to just read a quick verse to you, and then I want to talk to you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Are you ready? I said Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Are you ready? It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, so we do not drift away. Let me read it one more time. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, so we do not drift away. Father, I ask that you would just bless this time together. I ask you to bless your word and open it up into our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody, how many people have realized times have changed? Um, how many people my age and say our 40s, uh, times have changed? Uh, I've noticed uh, when I was a kid, it, things were a lot different. When I was a kid, we played with things like uh, dirt. Y'all remember playing with dirt, right? And uh, remember back in the days uh, before cable television. Do you remember before cable television? Do you remember the, do you remember the rabbit ears? Do you remember three stations UHF and two stations VHF? Do you remember that? Do you remember the time when there wasn't a remote control and you were the remote control? How many people know what I'm talking about? And so today I want to talk a little bit about the idea of this, about making sure that we pay the most careful attention to where we're at. Um, I'm learning some things about life because I have a daughter. And I have a daughter that just turned 13. And I don't know if you know this, and if you're a 13-year-old girl here, I just want to tell you something. Why? Why? My daughter, the other day, let me just tell you, I want you to, I, I guess the best way to do it is look at my face. I used to walk in the house, and I was like everything to my daughter. She was like, you're my daddy. I love you. You're my, you're my dad. She used to sit on my lap, and I used to... I used to brush her hair, and I used to take her for ice cream, and I used to hold her hand. And now when we go to the mall, I have to walk in back of her. I can't say I love you anymore out the window when I drop her off at school because it's embarrassing. Do y'all hear me? And when I walked in the house the other day, she was there with her friends, and I said, hi, baby. And she said, what's up, boo-boo? When did I become boo-boo? Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Uh, my face... Actually, I'm going to sue Apple because my face kind of, when she did it, I kind of had the shocked look. So take a look at this. I kind of had, I had that look, you know what I'm saying? Um, do you think I should sue Apple? They're stealing from me. You hear what I'm saying? And then, and this is what happened. And then I said, I said, why would you call me booba? I'm your daddy. And this is what she said. She said, I don't like you. You ain't got no friends. And then, of course, I got sad. You know, I got sad. I got sad. Take this sad, sad, sad look. Everybody say sad. And then she goes, I'm just kidding. I love you, Daddy. And then, of course, after that, I got happy. I got happy again. I got happy again, all right? Because words, words can speak life or speak death to you. And, and here's the deal. It's not just the words that come in. It's the words that go out. Um, there's something in Scripture that I, that I, was, I was reading. Uh, and, and as I was reading through the Scripture, the commentator made this uh, statement. And he said this, and I want to read it to you. It said... It, the commentator said, a heart filled with rejection speaks resentful words, but a heart full of acceptance speaks kind words. A heart full of condemnation speaks judgmental words, but a heart filled with love speaks compassionate words. A heart filled with self-righteousness will speak critical words, but a heart filled with hope 
will speak encouraging words. Today, I want to talk to you about the idea is whether if you're the one speaking it or if you've been the one spoken over, I want to talk to you about putting that stuff down. Everybody say, put it down. Everybody say, put it down. Because a lot of times we carry things that we shouldn't carry. You know, the Bible says that, that, that his yoke is easy, but his burden is light. But sometimes I think we get it around. We think we walk around like his, the yoke is hard and the burden is heavy. Because you know what? We pick up things we should never pick up. We carry things around that don't belong to us. And we begin to believe the lie of the distraction of the devil. And that is to get you off of your destiny. Listen, if it distracts you from your destiny, put it down. If it distracts you from your purpose, it's time to put it down. If it distracts you from where God is calling you and what he wants you to be, it's time to put it down. Everybody say, put it down. Everybody say, put it down. See, here's why, here's why, here's why. I want to talk to you today about this. You see, I, 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 I realized something. I realized something that when things happen to us, there's a direct correlation between, between our, the incidents or situations in our life and then the emotional reaction on the inside. Have you ever been to church? Have you ever, well, let me start this way. How many people are here or from New Jersey? Raise your hand if you're from New Jersey. If you're from my Jersey people. That's right, I'm a Jersey boy right outside of Philadelphia. I'm not gonna say who my team is because I don't want to get booed twice in the same festival. And uh, so here it is, here it is. Did you hear them the other night boo me? Did you hear them boo me during, for King Cut? They threw glue, uh, what are they, uh, glow sticks at my ankles. All right, so here it is. That was hate, okay? And, and so here's the deal. When you're born in New Jersey or New York, or New York, you're born with something called road rage. It's part of your genetics. As a child, in the child seat, in the back, you learn to say inappropriate words. Why? Because your parents are doing it when they're driving. Come on, parents, tell the truth. It's just something you're born with. Um, so a lot of us drive angry. I see some people driving in their golf carts, and they're driving angry. I, I see sometimes I see people driving around, and, and road rage, you know, it, it brings out anger. I've also, if we're honest, have you ever had food rage? You know when the person in front of you, you've been in line, like the coffee line, and you there for like 15 minutes, and then it's their time to order, and then they're like, hmm, what do I want? Right, right, they do that. They're like, you've been in line for 20 minutes, and now you want, or how about when you're at McDonald's, when you're at McDonald's, and you hear the person in front of you at the drive-thru, and they're like, now what do I want? Like they don't know what's at McDonald's. Do y'all hear what I'm saying, right? And that anger begins to come out, right? It's frustrating, right? It's frustrating. And, and, and so today I want to talk about the things that we carry around that are heavy. The anger and the frustration that builds up inside of life. The type of resentment that builds up in circumstances. And, 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 and what I want you to realize today is this, is that in life sometimes we just need to put it down. Because it's amazing, if you put the right person in the wrong situation, the enemy can ruin anything. I can prove it. How many people go to a church where you've got that one lady in your church, she's just the sweetest old lady. You know, she wears that beautiful dress every week, you know, and her hair is done perfect, and she bakes things. You know, when I went to, when I went to church, there was this lady, her name was Miss Dolly. Everybody say Miss Dolly. Everybody say Miss Dolly. Miss Dolly.
It was the lady who always baked things. Miss Dolly used to bake the cake. She used to bake the pies. She used to do the brownies and all those things. And I loved Miss Dolly. And every time I get to church, she was that lady that would hug me and make me feel welcome. Miss Dolly was the lady. I thought she was the perfect Christian lady. And then one day, I was driving. I was 17 years old. How many people know road rage can make anybody angry? I'm there at a light. I'm sitting there. I'm getting ready. to. The, the light turns green. I'm getting ready to go, and all of a sudden, the, the cross from me, I see this car go to pull out, and somebody runs the red light. And the person coming out all of a sudden had a slam on their brakes. And all of a sudden, I saw both hands come up from this person. And they began to use one of their fingers. Use your imagination. And then they began to use two of their fingers. They had the double barrel going. And I looked across, and all of a sudden, guess who it was? Miss Dolly giving the double barrel. Do y'all hear what I'm talking about? Because anger can fit inside of anybody. And you know what? That's what happens when you don't learn how to put it down. Now, am I making fun of Miss Dolly? No, because I love Miss Dolly. But sometimes, you know what? Even, even the best of us in the worst situations, you know what? If we try to carry it our own, boy, it can turn you down. You see, today I want to talk about this whole Hebrews 2 thing. Um, I like going to the beach. I live by the Jersey Shore. So when I go to the beach, I love going in the water. I, love in, I like being out in the ocean. And when I'm out in the ocean, here it is. I got two things that I keep my eye on because I got three kids. When I go out in the ocean, I go out and I keep my eye on the lifeguard stand and the ice cream man. Do you all hear what I'm talking about? So I remember my point because when you go out in the ocean and you're out there, you know what? I don't know. When I was younger, I learned that if I don't pay attention where I go in, the next thing you know, I'm hundreds of feet down. And I've lost where I started from. Have you ever come to an event like this or gone to church on a Sunday or been a part of something where you went in there and you realized when you aligned yourself with the word of God or you heard a certain speaker or somebody began to sing a certain song, you say to yourself, how did I get to where I'm at? And all of a sudden you look up at a certain point in your life and you realize, how did I get here? How do I get to this point? How did I get to feel so guilty? How did I get to feel so rejected? When did I become so angry? When did I become so critical? When did I become such a critic? When did I become the authority on everything? When am I, when am I, where did I, how did I get in this place? And I, I was looking at this and I, I began, and you know what, I believe whenever you read the word of God or you look through the word of God, you've got to do, you've got to look at yourself. You know, sometimes as preachers, sometimes uh, uh, sometimes you begin, you want to go and develop something, and we think it's for the other person. You got to look at yourself first. And, and so, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. I I, I realize that, I, or I should say, I believe this. I believe life is about 20% of what happens to you, and about 80% of how you respond to it. You see, I believe for every person here, if you're going to be a person of destiny, that means you need to get a vision for your life. Everybody needs to be able to get a vision for where they're headed. You know, I, I, Helen Keller said this. She said this. She, she, she was a blind author and artist for those children that don't know. And she made this statement. She said, one of the most disappointing things is, is for people that can physically see, but they have no vision. You see, there's a difference between vision and sight. 
Uh, my friend William says this all the time. He said, vision sees what you're headed to, but sight only sees what you're going through. And if you have sight today, then I'm here to tell you, you might be just be getting distracted. You see, my, I want to talk to you about some of my distractions. Um, I grew up with ADHD. Uh, back then we called it ADDDDDDD, you know what I'm saying, right? I, I used to have to sit in the front of class when the teacher would talk because the teacher would be talking and I'd be like, squirrel, you know what I mean? It was hard to focus. And, 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 so, it was, and so being at school, it was easy for me to get distracted. And I want to talk to you about in our Christian walks, have you gotten distracted? Have you forgotten what God wants to do? You see, when we lift things up that are, that are really, really heavy, that we're not supposed to carry, what we wind up doing is we try to do God's job for him. You see, what I've learned in life, especially through trials and especially through circumstances, when you walk through valleys and when you walk through pain and you walk through hurt, I've learned that when you're at the weak and when you're at your weakest, you give God a chance to be his greatest in your life. And a lot of times we think, I don't know about you, I think I need to help God out. And you know what that's done for me? It's made me resentful through the years. For those of you who know my story, through the years, I, going through uh, being the only person with disabilities in my school, and then going off to go, go to college and taking five, almost six years to go through a four-year program, and still winding up at the bottom. And looking back, even though I was making it, I didn't appreciate what God was doing. I only saw what he wasn't doing. And sometimes that becomes a distraction. And when that d distraction comes, we get angry. And we wind up having those Miss Dolly moments where we're angry. And when we get angry, we begin to blame. And when you begin to blame, you begin to point. And when you begin to point, we begin to hold on. You see, for the longest time, I struggled maybe where you're struggling. I struggled with, with unforgiveness, and I struggled with bitterness, and I struggled with frustration. And that's what I'm here to talk to you about this morning. Can you look back at a point in time where you entered the seas and the waters of life and then turn around and say, how did I get to this point? Have you ever been to the beach? How many parents we got here? Wave at me. How many want to be honest? When you first became a parent, have you ever gone to the beach and lost your kids? I did it a couple times. Because it's easy to lose your way when everything seems to blend together. You know, I, I, as I began to enter into my Christian walk and I entered into adulthood, I dealt with all this bitterness and all this pain. And I began to live and dwell inside of unforgiveness. You know, forgiveness is not, it doesn't require someone to apologize to you for you to be able to give it. You know, forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for you. And something I've learned in life is that we combine forgiveness and trust in the same thing. Forgiveness is for you. It's you taking your power back saying what happened on Friday is not going to happen again on Saturday. Trust is something that they've got to earn, but forgiveness is something that you have to give. It's easy to begin to hate in life. It's easy to be able to walk down the street of frustration and anger and bitterness and to not even realize it because it's a slow drift. And you slowly slide over to a point where you, with the person you started off as, you're not that person anymore. And I've often looked up during life and said, how did I get here? How did I end up in this place? And I've had to look at myself and I had to say to myself, where, what happened to my attitude? It's kind of like Judas in the Bible. Judas had the best pastor 
the best friend. He had the coolest person in the world, the most perfect person ever sent on the planet, and he still failed and still messed up. You know why? Because it's not about the leadership in your church or the people that are around you. If our attitude doesn't change and our character isn't transformed, we're always going to be the same. It comes down to the fact of this, that if our attitude is kind of like this, it's a choice every day. Life can either be an ordeal or it can be an adventure. Have you ever been around your pastor or your youth pastor? Kids, you can just tell me where they kind of did that one of those prayers where they said, put your hands in the air. And then they began to like pray preach. You know what I'm talking about? And your hands in the air and they're praying and they're praying and then they kind of like pray preaching and your arm's still in the air and it's getting heavy. And all of a sudden, then you do the one arm on the other arm trying to hold it up because you know it's heavy. And you just, and you can only think of one word say amen, son. Say amen because it's getting heavy. And sometimes in life, you know, we hold things up and we hold situations up and we hold hurt up and we hold regret up and we hold shame up and we hold circumstances up so long. And even now, if I ask you to raise your hand and hold it up, you eventually, you know, your shoulder will begin to hurt, your arm will begin to hurt. And eventually you get to a point where you have no choice but to put it down. Today, if you allow God to become great, he can make up the difference because when you give your impossible, he gives his incredible. But I didn't find my greatest strength. I didn't find my greatest strength in me trying to carry it. I didn't find my greatest strength trying to get in a fight. Because you know what I learned in life? That you don't fight evil with evil. Like it says in the word, it says you will fight evil with good. Today, I want you to watch this on the screen. It's about your heart. It's about what we need to do when we get caught up in the drift. I'll be right back. Genesis chapter 1, right in the beginning, it says, In the beginning, the earth was, 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 was without form. It was, it, was, uh, it was void. And then, at one particular moment, God spoke. And everything changed. Out of nothing became something. Out of nowhere became aware. Do you hear what I'm talking about? Out of no place became a place. And all of a sudden, nothing became something. And from that point on, God's voice began to speak. And then after we went through the garden, so did the noise. You see, today, what happens when we get caught up in the drift? you know what happens? To be able to not get caught up in the drift, we've got to learn how to silence the noise. The noise of bitterness. The noise of unforgiveness. The noise of fear. You know how you get rid of fear? You begin to take courage. You know why? Because this is the reason why. Fear is a reaction, but courage is a decision. And courage is not... The absence of fear, it's a choice that something or someone else is just simply more important. And I want to tell you that your story, your destiny, and your, your purpose is more important than how you feel or how it looks. You see, it's your turn to say, you know what? Evil, 
You've had your day. Now God's going to have his. Because I'm going to put it down so he can pick it back up. I'm going to put it down because you know why? I've lost too many fights to fear. I've lost too many fights to bitterness and anger. You know why? Because fear begins to paralyze you. And then it begins to intimidate you. And then it begins to freeze you. And then after it does it, you begin to look at everybody around you and you begin to compare what they have and what they don't have and how they smile and how you don't smile. Listen, life is always unfair when you compare. You always lose. Don't be worried about what someone else is, what someone else has got, what someone else wants to be. Just do you. Because when you unwrap this whole thing and get rid of the distractions and silence the noise inside of you, is what God created, and it's beautiful, just the way you are. I had a little bit of anger a few weeks ago. Um, I think my little boy's here, and he's going to hear this. Uh, we had a talk, my little boy Vito. Um, those of you who know, I, I brought him here for the first time this year. He's very special. He has something called autism. He's beautiful. He was walking around the other day. You know what he told me he was going to do? He told me he was going to make people happy. He was going to make people smile. I have people and volunteers coming up over to me all the time telling me, your son just encouraged me. The wonderful thing about what some people see as a problem, I don't see it as a problem. I see it as beautiful, just the way he is. Is that you get constant honesty and truthfulness constantly no matter what he walked up to one of the stage hands last night and he says did your mom ever give you a comb he goes no my hair's curly he goes oh, okay and he came home from school and this year he his whole life from kindergarten to fifth grade um he had the same group of friends and then in sixth grade going into middle school in new jersey they took him out of the school that he had been with all his friends from two years old all the way up to 11 years old. And I'm like panicking, you know, as a parent, right? Because my son's about to go to a new school and all his friends are going somewhere else and all of a sudden he's gonna be at a place where he doesn't know anybody. You know, as a dad, I was just like overwhelmed. And I began to get a little frustrated and get a little critical of the, of the situation. And I saw it from my perspective rather than from his perspective. And then he said something one day. I asked him. He started middle school. He's in one classroom where he's with other kids with, with autism. And then later on in the day, he goes and does gym, and he goes and does lunch, and he does stuff with everybody else, you know, in the school. He's mainstream for, like, a lot of those classes. For those of you in school, you probably understand. You probably see some people like my son Vito. And I asked him this question. I said, how are the kids in your class treating you? He goes, oh, the kids in my class, the kids with autism, they're great. You know, we're friends. It's good to be there. And then I asked this question, and I regretted asking it because it made me mad. It made me hurt. It made me drift. And uh, I said, how do the kids in the rest of your school treat you, the other kids that aren't in your class? And he made this statement. He said, well, they just ignore me because I am autism. When he, when he said that, all this stuff began to like well up on the inside. 
Because when we found out that he was unique, even though I know it's not true, I felt like as dad, like I, like I gave it to him. And that his journey is going to be like my journey. For those of you who don't know, you know, I was the only special needs student in my school. So every day I would walk 30 feet from the front of my school to an RV in front of my school. And that's where I would learn. Talk about being ostracized and segregated. And all of a sudden, I went back to the point of when I was a kid looking at my kid. And I try to put what happened to me on him. Can I tell you something? All of a sudden, on the inside of me, when he said that, I got mad. And all of a sudden, on the inside of me, all of a sudden, I felt the Spirit of God just like snap in my heart. And I turned to my little boy who was sitting next to me, and I said, son, I just want to tell you something. You're beautiful. You're amazing just the way you are. And you know what? You're going to be a history maker. You're going to be a world changer. There's something amazing about you, and God's going to use you just the way he made you. You're a son of mine, but most likely, more importantly, you're a son of God. And God's going to use you just the way he made you. And I said, you know what? There's nothing, you, there's nowhere you can't go. There's nothing you can't be, and there's nothing you can't have. And my son, he's tuned in. He looked at me, he goes, there's nothing I can't have? I'm like, nope. And he goes, and I'm like at this moment where there's tears in my eyes. I'm crying. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I'm just like, you know, there's tears. I'm looking the other way. And he goes, there's nothing I can't have? I'm like, nothing. And he goes, can I have some ice cream? <laughs> because it's all about perspective. It's all about not losing your way in the drift. It's all about understanding that people look at things differently. And you can't put your problems on other people, and other people can't put problems on you. You know what you can do? You can say, you know what, I'm not going to be paralyzed by this. You can remind yourself by the word of God where it says so in Isaiah 41, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed because I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Or you can look where it says in, in scripture and be reminded like I was reminded that truly God is my salvation and he is my fortress. He is my conqueror and I will not be shaken. Listen, if you've been holding something up that doesn't belong to you, I came to you today to tell you to put it down. If you're still mad at mom because of what she said 25 years ago, it's time to put it down. You want to fail in life? I can give you three ways you guarantee you'll fail. Number one, blame all your problems on everybody else. You will fail. Number two, complain all the time about where you're at and where you think you should be and what he has and what she doesn't have. And I can guarantee you, you will fail. Number three, forget to be grateful. I can guarantee you, you'll fail. Because you're always looking at where you're not rather than where you are. You're always looking at what you don't have rather than what you do have. That's why last night at the end of uh, candlelight and I came out here and I was real emotional. If you didn't see, I was up here crying like a baby. You know why? Because we had a moment together. We made a memory. We left an indelible mark on your life and my life. And you know what? When I looked up last night, it reminded me of where I walked in. 
And you know what? It doesn't mean it's easy, but I'm still in this game. I'm still in this fight, and I will fight a good fight. I will finish the race that God started me on. Because his word is clear that he who began a good work in you, oh man, he's faithful to complete it on the day, on your day. Maybe today doesn't feel like your day. It's still God's day for you. Maybe he's taking you through something. Maybe you're like me. I've gone through some stuff the last few months. You know, when the Bible says you get pruned, he prunes the tree. Yo, I'm a trunk. I got nothing left. I got no branches. I'm just standing there like a, just, you know, just nothing. But I'm still getting stronger. And I'm still reminded. When all looks down. I'm still looking up. Would you stand with me real quick, everybody? I want to pray for you. My time is up, but yours isn't. Still more preachers and more times of worship this week. What he's done for others, he can do for you. If you're here today and you feel like that guy whose arm's been up and it's hurting, your heart's hurting, your mind's hurting, You've been carrying all this stuff around that's so heavy. You know what I want you to do? What God wanted you to do a long time ago. Simply put it down. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Father, I pray that your anointing that breaks the bondage of every yoke would fall fresh on every person this morning at creation. That whatever we carried in from here, Lord God, that we would look up and we'd be reminded that you started us off with a vision and you started us off with a destiny. Let us not lose sight of where we entered and where you're taking us. Let us not get distracted by hurtful words or pain or disappointment. But Father, help us keep focused on the mark. Help us keep focused on your word. And most of all, help us silence the noise and hear your voice because Father, we've learned through history that you can make something out of nothing. And you can turn anything around. I pray for every family, for every marriage, for every child, for every adult, for every baby, for every grandparent, for every worker, for every volunteer. That, Father, Lord, we wouldn't carry what wasn't meant to be carried by us. And that we'd learn to put it down in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. It's good to be in the house of God. Check this out on the screen.